0: So, we are going to just really quickly pop through um, some of the highlights from last week and maybe just spend just another minute or two. I don't want to rehash anything too much, but you know, we talked about just letting go of unhealthy expectations, is where we were last week. Um, our goals were just letting go of our unhealthy expectations of other people, our unhealthy expectations of ourselves, and other people's unhealthy expectations of us. And those are kind of the two, the last two are kind of what we're going to try and hit on today. And then replacing them with God's expectations. And we have kind of our theme verse there, Psalm 62, 5. My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from him. Um, Just again, just kind of a, a review there that the dictionary defines expectations as a strong belief that something will happen, a belief that someone will or should achieve something. And then we had kind of a working definition that we were using for healthy and unhealthy expectations. And that healthy expectations are realistic, normal, reasonably attainable. We talked about, you know, we all expect to be paid when we've done a job. We expect our paycheck to come through. Um, We expect our kids to reasonably listen to us. We expect people to be, you know, just, I mean, like, you expect your cashier to scan your stuff and ask you for your payment. We have expectations of everybody. Um, Unhealthy expectations, though, are generally unfair, unreasonable, and unattainable. And I hope what we kind of talked about more last week is that I think so often we don't even realize that what our expectations are unfair, unreasonable, and unattainable. So I hope that as we're going through today, that as we're still kind of praying about what we want to to get from these lessons that the Lord will show us where we have been unfair in our expectations where we've been unreasonable and where we have had unattainable goals for other people in our lives Um, bottom line is it makes us miserable and when people don't meet our expectations and that's really kind of where we're going from that so if you don't mind we'll just pause for a second and we'll just open with prayer and then we'll continue on Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your blessings and your goodness and your grace, God, for all the things that you've given to us. God, we ask, Lord, this morning as we come, Lord, to spend time with you, Lord, God, and time in your, your word and time together, God, that you would just bless us, Lord. God, please open our hearts, open our eyes, open us up, Lord, God, that whatever it is that we see, God, or the things that maybe we don't see, Lord, that we'll see them through your eyes. God, that we'll see, Lord, people as you see them. God, and that we'll see, Lord, those expectations only that you have. God, I pray that for each one of us here this morning. God, I ask, Lord, that you would just touch us and bless us, Lord, and keep us in your constant care. Lord, we love you and thank you. Amen. Amen. Um, again, back to last week. Hopefully the main point that I really want is we are strong and independent women. And I'm looking out across this, all of you out here, and I know you are. I'm looking at the ones who, when you've asked somebody to do something for the fourth time, and we won't mention any names you know, particularly, but if you've got somebody and you've asked them four times or five times to do something, and maybe it's something you've never done before, and you're like... Just move up. I'm gonna do it myself. Forget it. I don't care. I will try and fix the appliance myself. I will move the furniture myself. I will do whatever it is. I'm 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 looking at y'all and I know y'all are. I'm feeling the the kindred spirit here. This is what we are. We're independent and we've been raised that way, and it's a good thing. There is nothing wrong with being strong and ready to do things on your own and do that. But on that flip side, sometimes we so often allow other people to control our happiness and you think we're so strong in other ways i mean i mean i just can't tell you how many times i've moved things and put nails in walls and you know that later you know daryl comes he's like oh my gosh would you please just let me do this i'm like well i asked you four times and so <laughs> look at me like a will would get done so you know or you ask your kids to help you with something you're like forget it i'll just do it myself but we allow other people to control our happiness Um, Again, I know if you were here last week, we were kind of just reviewing, but unmet expectations equal disappointment. And unhealthy expectations kill relationships talked about Proverbs 13, 12. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. It makes us, we're disappointed. It's okay to be, dis- I mean, I just want to make sure we really clear, too, that we're not talking about that it's not, it's not saying you should never be disappointed in someone. It's not, that's not the point. But if we have unhealthy expectations of them, then maybe we have to step back and look at ourselves because hopes placed in mortals die with them. People will never meet all of our expectations. Never. They will never be able to fulfill that. And then really where we kind of hope we were ending up last week was that Jesus does not want us to live a life bound by and tied down to unhealthy expectations. Um, Hebrews 12, 14 through 15 says, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one misses the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. That one little root there can cause lots of trouble and defile many people. And that's where, oh, let me to this one first. Sinful and selfish desires. We talked about James 1, 13 through 17, is kind of condensed there. But when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown, brings forth death. If our desires or expectations of people are in any way based or rooted or in any way around a sinful or selfish desire then they're unhealthy already. I mean, and our Bible tells us there that when those desires, when those unhealthy things are there, they give birth to sin, and sin gives forth to death. Um, God will give us new desires, though. Ezekiel 37, 26, I'm going to just talk about just that first little part there. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And so he wants us to have have good desires and good things in our lives. Um, We didn't spend quite this much time, and I know we talked a little bit about bitterness last week. I found a couple of quotes that I thought were relevant there. It says bitterness imprisons life. Love releases it. Bitterness paralyzes life. Love empowers it. Bitterness sours life and love sweetens it. Bitterness sickens life. Love heals it. Bitterness blinds life and love anoints its eyes. And you can't really read it there, but it's Harry Emerson something there. Get that wonderful quote there. Um, bitterness is a result of clinging to negative experiences. It serves you no good and closes the door to your future. And then my favorite quote I found when I was just searching for one is just, bitterness is so ugly. <laughs> and it is. It's just ugly. And it doesn't benefit us. And we know that. We know that it's nothing. But the other thing is, I don't mean to demean in any way, shape, or form how hard it is sometimes to get past it. Because it is. It can be really, really hard to get past bitterness. And again, God knows that. He understands where we're coming from. It's not a thing of, that he expects us to be like, okay, here's the Bible verse. Be done with it. And I think we talked a little bit last week of sometimes it's going to be a process. There's some things you can be like, you know what? That cashier that means nothing to you was ugly to me in line today. I'm going to let that go. She's probably having a bad day and you move on. But when you come home and your spouse or your best friend or your mom or whoever is sharp with you, it's, it's not as easy to say, oh, I'm just going to let that one go. We've got to work through it sometimes because, I mean, it hurts more. So, it's so hard. we want to make sure this verse here talks about Song of Solomon, talks about cats for us, the little foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. And I think bitterness is absolutely positively a little fox. And it's the little things that destroy relationships over time, whether it is a, a parent-child, whether it's a, a husband-spouse, whether it's, you know, um, a coworker that you have. It's the little things that you let, allow to, to pile up that become big things. Um, Ephesians 4:31 tells us to get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander. I don't know if any of y'all are brawling, but if you are, let's try and keep that in check. There, it's not middle school. Y'all take it easy there, along with there. So, to get rid of those things. Um, we want to talk, though, about letting go more today of those unhealthy expectations of ourselves and other people's expectations of us. Um, I mentioned last week that I think the expectations we have of other people probably have caused me more pain. My personal expectations of people cause caused me more pain than anything, but there's no doubt that these are the stressors in my life that I have allowed to stress me more than anything else. Are the expectations that I feel for myself or that other people feel for that I, th- I think they feel for me. And that's really, really important is to think that you think people have expectations of you. And I feel like that we have a really bad habit of internalizing them and then becoming expectations. Um, I think it's unintentional. But from all those people we've just mentioned, I mean, you could add any, I mean, your, I mean, we've talked about parents, um, spouses, children, cousins, sisters, brothers. your pastor, your your teachers, anybody that you come in contact with, it's easy to have those. I mean, I know some of you who've been through like PTOs and things like that with your kids in school. You feel pressure from that sometimes. You're like, should I do more? Should I do less? I mean, what what do I need to do? You feel pressure from all these people. I was going to ask if you ever had any of these thoughts um, run or scenarios run through your mind. Um, I've had things happen to where. Um, Like if the kids ask me to pick them up for something or they want to go somewhere or do something and we've already made a commitment and I I, you literally can't do it and I can't figure out a way to make it work. Then I start to worry and I start to think, oh, gosh, I really I really want to be able to get them to that thing that they've asked for. But I've already made this other commitment. I can't do it. And then you start thinking that, well, I mean, somewhere in the line, you don't mind even (laughs) so much say this, but it becomes this little thought in the back of your mind that I'm not a good enough parent. I mean, you know, here I am working when I should be at home or I'm at home when I should be working. If you can't pay for something, all those things start to happen. And before you know it, you've decided, to, you know, I might not be a good mom. All based on the fact that you couldn't get your kid to some kind of event or pay for a trip or, you know, whatever the thing would be. Um, if Daryl asked me to do something and I forget, then occasionally if it hits me on a bad day, a bad thing, you know, I mean, most of am like, you know do yourself, you know, whatever. But but if it hits me on a bad day, uh, I mean, I might be like, oh gosh, I forgot. And I forgot again. He asked me to do one thing and I couldn't remember that one thing he wanted, you know, and now here I am. I mean, he has the worst wife in the whole wide world. And then honestly, you know what Daryl's thinking? Okay. You didn't do it. All right. He's moved on. I mean, he's, he's moved on from it. He's, he has no expectations of that. He's, he's used to it. do me forgetting things. But I mean, it could be as simple as getting the wrong kind of yogurt or cereal or whatever and then you're like oh my gosh I failed everybody in my whole household because I got the kind of cereal that everybody hates because you remembered something was special about that cereal <laughs> but what it was was that everybody hates it not that they all love it right you start to feel that and then to spread it out a little bit further um when you get all those invitations, we all know like that time of year, like they hit June and July and you're invited to graduation parties and birthday parties and weddings and showers and the list goes on and on and on. And you start to think, oh gosh, but if I don't go, that's really going to hurt their feelings. And, and that's gonna, so it's okay to want to go. It's okay to go. The problem comes into it is when we start putting other people's expectations on ourselves. If we say, if I say, if I couldn't help Christy out with something with um, Carter's party, and then if I start thinking that she, oh, great, now she's going to be upset at me, and she's going to be disappointed, and she's going to be sad that I couldn't be there to help her do what she needed to do. And she she's probably not thought any of those things. She's like, she's moving on. She's like, okay, you can't do that one. All right, so, but you can do this one. Okay, we're good. You know, it all is in our head. <laughs> and for the most part, they're all lies, and we all know where lies come from. Those people who love you, love you whether you show up at their birthday party or not. Those people who love you, if you can't, um, if you have, if someone asks you to help out with breakfast for this thing, and they, or they didn't ask you, I mean, either way, and you're, if they ask you and you're like, oh, I really can't, they, I swear they went on to the next person, right? I mean, they just went down the line. They didn't sit there and think, oh, you couldn't help out that Sunday. Gosh, I really wish you loved your church more. <laughs> I really wish you loved the ladies' ministries more. I really, I mean, we're not, I mean, do you think those things when people are saying no to you? Probably not. <laughs> if you do, then maybe we need to talk about that too. <laughs> That's a whole other lesson. <laughs> but, I mean, we, we don't have those things. It's not that. And so most of the expectations that we think people have of us so in reality, they're really the ones we have of ourselves. And we want to do it all. And there's been that lie that's been told all along, you know, that you can do it all. And the reality is you can't. Nobody ever has done it all. It's impossible to do it all. Something has to fall by the wayside. Something has to be where you have to prioritize in life. I mean, this is just a thing. And we're not doing anybody any favors when we continue to tell them that, oh, yeah, I mean, can you, can you have a career and a, and, and, and a home? And yes. That's it. But can you, um, you know, do ten times that? No, no. I mean, no one can. No one can handle those expectations or what we think is this perfect dream of things. So we have to, we got to back that up. So, you know, if expectations. You got to talk about Mary and Martha. It's just the the thing to do there. So I'm actually going to read um, the whole thing here, which I don't have all of them up there. But um, it's such a short little portion, though. It's ten thirty-eight through verse. Luke 10, 38 through 42. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. So a couple of things stood out to me this time when I read it that probably had not before. Um, It was Martha's house. It's like it says, Martha opened her home to him. So, I mean, this is her house. So she feels an even more of a weight. Mary may, if Mary, I don't know if Mary was visiting. I don't know if they lived together there. Kind of get the idea that they did. But it says it was Martha's house. So she felt more responsibility. that She had expectations of herself that were way above. You know, she had all these ideas and these dreams. I mean, I just can't imagine, you know, if that, if Pinterest was around at that time, she would have been Pinterest in some kind of theme. You know, she would have been like, you know, oh, we're going to do a desert theme or we're going to do whatever you know I mean whatever I don't know what kind of theme you do for Jesus but she would have I'm sure made sure things were coordinated she wanted her napkins to match she wanted the food to be the best food that she had ever put into it she was not okay with going to Walmart deli and picking up chicken that was not her idea of what was going to be the perfect meal for Jesus she wanted to have all these things done I'm sure she was you know down you don't I know y'all done this I mean, it's like somebody's coming in for five minutes and she is down over there probably checking her baseboards. I mean, she was probably in rooms that he was never, ever going to go into. And she's in there organizing and cleaning and that, repainting. I mean, doing things that were just, he was coming in for a meal. He was coming in to see her, really. You know, Beyond that, he was coming in to share with them. He didn't care about all those things. And so um, it says that Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. That's what she thought. Those were her expectations. She had all these things that she thought needed to be done. And then she complains, Lord, help us. But we do sometimes. She said, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. And so for all of you Marthas out there, because we have a lot, that is us. We are, I think we're all a blend of Mary and Martha. And then even then I, was, I thought this morning, How good is God to have left that in there for us, though? Because this story, I mean, it's short. I mean, it's what we got there, four verses. It's four verses. It's not really an earth-shattering, you know, thing to go out there. It wasn't about a miracle he did. It wasn't anything else. But he left it in there, and i almost tell you, ladies, it's for us. There's no doubt in my mind he left it for us that when we feel these expectations, when we feel that everything has to be done, when we you know, get ready to go on vacation, you know, you think all of a sudden things that had not been cleaned the whole six months before suddenly have to be cleaned before you can go. I know I'm talking to some of y'all. Right there. Right. I mean, we get this super pressure that we put on ourselves but God left this I mean he left this these scriptures in his divine word for us to remind us that we're worried and upset about many things but few things are needed and indeed only one and Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her um, I want let me, God does not does not Want us to be emotionally drained or physically exhausted to a point where we're not good for anyone, and that includes ourselves, includes each of us. Um, um, I so check out my time here. Make sure I'm good. I think I'm alright. I am what they call an extroverted introvert. So, if you haven't heard this term, it's truly a thing. I score dead in the middle on anything like that. So, I took uh, one of those personality things one time. was organized chaos, and I'm dead in the middle. I can be super organized, but I can also be super chaotic. I think you can, you know, get that from me right here. That's how I am. Um, But I love to be social. I love teaching. I love being around my students all day. And I really, really, and I, kinda, I don't. I hope it's okay to admit this, but the social and emotional connections of church are almost dead even with spiritual for me. I need them. I mean, church is that spiritual place for us. There's no doubt about that. But for me, being able to connect with people and having that social and emotional connection, which I feel like God designed it that way, that's why we should worship together. If we didn't need that social and emotional, we could do it at home. We could all just listen to the podcast. I mean, you know, we could just sit there. But that's not the design for it. We we need that. Um, but I am when I'm done for the day or the the week, whatever it is. I mean, I need time to myself, and I know that about myself. I know that I need some time reading or watching TV or sitting on the porch or scrolling through Facebook mindlessly because you know that we don't that's just a mindless thing to do <laughs> but um I need that I need to have that silence and things like that but I have to be careful not to draw too much into myself and the more the busier we are sometimes the more that we retreat um over the last five years and I know this is just my personal experience I don't mean I don't mean to minimize or or to um or to make this seem like a bigger deal I'm just talking from what I know Um, I've experienced a lot of changes. Uh, We lost a lot of valuable family members. I changed careers after spending 15 years as a stay-at-home mom. I went back to work part-time, then five days part-time, then full-time. And it was a huge adjustment for me. Now, don't laugh, but I'm serious. Getting up early in the mornings was hard for me. (laughs) Like, getting up and being ready and moving out. It was an adjustment. For 15 years, you know, that happened once twice a week. I I got kids on the bus and then I got to come back in my pajamas and sip coffee and watch the Today Show and I mourned that. It was a big deal to me. I missed that time. It was something that um, I had a complete hysterectomy I literally went from, you know, like, you know, I didn't, I did that was not my expectation to be 40 and have to have a complete hysterectomy, but I went from, you know, normal, whatever that is, to, um, to menopause in one day, you know, it was like, you know, you, I went to sleep that morning, we'll give you a little medicine, and I woke up, and hello! pause there you go (laughs) which is not fun sometimes (laughs) and I think it might be a little more of a shock to your system if it happens that way I don't know but um, then Josh moved to Florida so he's our oldest he moved to Florida and he's probably not coming back Uh, Daryl's job transitioned after 20 some years in the same place you know we had a lot of uncertainty there there were a lot of changes I didn't do so well with all of them. Um, I felt like I was losing myself sometimes. I felt like I was losing who I had been all these years. And I was really excited to teach. I mean, that's what I had spent all this time going back to school for. But it was different. After spending all that time being at home, and I, I knew my schedule, I knew my routine, I knew what was expected of me, what I thought. I knew what my expectations were. And when it changed and... You know, laundry wasn't done when I thought it should be done and dinner wasn't on the table when I thought it should be on the table. <laughs> Pretty much never. Sorry, Jill. <laughs> Jill missed out <laughs> she missed out on that. And then I, you have guilt about that. I'm like, oh gosh, I did so much for Josh and Jared and there and you know, when they were younger. And then as Josie and Jill were getting older, I mean I was in school and I was doing things and now you feel this horrible guilt about things like that. Again, it was expectations, expectations that I had that life would look the same. From five years ago or ten years ago to now. And it doesn't. <laughs> um, I mentioned the other day, and I, I can share the title with you if anybody's interested. It was a Beth Moore book um, that talks about um, letting go of something. No, it's not letting go. I I, got the t- I took a picture this morning, so I would remember. But um, she talks about being in a pit, in a, an emotional pit. And I talked about it a little bit last week. And there were times when I would feel like I was climbing out. And then there were times when I felt like I had, you know, like, like the sides were slippery and like you had just slid down and that I would land hard on my butt, you know, like you just, you know, would slide all the way back down and you would feel like you were at your absolute lowest. Um, so some of you know, so I went back to school to be a teacher. And I got I finished up in the middle of a year, which meant that I was job hunting in, like, December, which is not the best time to be job hunting for a school position. But um, I, there was a long-term sub-position that came open for seventh grade uh, science. So I'm an English major. I know this much about science, <laughs> other than what we watch on Discovery Channel or whatever, things from that. But um, I, I took that job, and it ended up going in. Um, it was winter. Like I said, I was getting up earlier than ever. I was leaving the house in the dark to go teach a subject I had zero experience in. I had some really challenging students. And bottom line, I didn't know what I was doing. And to um, make it even worse, I could have, you don't know how long-term subbing works, um, or even just subbing in general, could have made more at Walmart, okay? I mean, I could have worked at Walmart, checked out people, gone home, and made the same, maybe even more money and not have had to deal with what you deal with, you know. So long-term, set means also you pretty much assume the role of a teacher. I mean, you you do, you lesson plan, you do all those kinds of things, attend meetings, do stuff, but get paid like so. Anyway, so um, I knew there was a chance that I could get a job at the school later, the next year, but it wasn't a sure thing. And I'm just going to tell y'all, I hit a point where... I mean, it wasn't thankfully too awful long, but there were days that I would cry almost the whole way to work. I thought I had made the biggest mistake of my life. I had spent all these years, maybe, I, I don't know, if you if I look back, I was in school for forever because I took my time. But I mean, like six, seven years of college is what you know where I spread it out. And I was like, I have spent all this time getting ready for this, and I <laughs> I mean I hated it and it was miserable I was I can still I have very few remember thankfully it's not it's been, I'm putting it away it's a painful part of my past so I can put it away but um, I can literally remember um, at that time I was I would drive Selt Road and I would hit the little spot by the gas plant right there with a the spot and the sun's coming up and it's beautiful you see Charlotte's house up there if you're and then the sun's coming up over there and that was good because at least the sun would start coming up but usually that's when the anxiety would hit like A ton of bricks because I knew I was like within that and usually that's usually where I would be like I don't want to go I don't want to do this (laughs) this is not okay with me and I would pretty much cry from there and you get to the parking lot and you're trying to clean yourself up and it's like it was bad the worst part of it was I couldn't pray I it was just I was miserable about it. I felt like I had failed. I had all these expectations of how it was going to be just this amazing thing. You know, you're going to go in and all the kids are going to love you and they're going to be, you're going to be their favorite and it's just going to be amazing. And you know, then you get those kids who have awful, awful, awful lives. I mean, there's just no way around it and it's not their fault that they're acting out the way they do. It's just I mean, it just it is part of their circumstances and what's going on there. But I was miserable. I was embarrassed. I felt like that I couldn't share that with anybody. How do you go to somebody? And, I mean, I remember like, thinking to Daryl. I was like, how do I go to him and tell him, hey, thanks for supporting me for the last eight years through all this journey where I've done all these classes and we paid all this money. But I don't really want to do it anymore. <laughs> I mean, it's not really a thing you can do. It's not good. And so I felt alone. How do you tell someone about that? I mean, I was embarrassed. I was, I was overwhelmed. Um... The only thing that helped me, the only thing through that was, I'm like, I say again, I mean, my prayers were just basically sobbing and begging. I was like, oh, Jesus, you got to help me (laughs) because I don't know what to do. And how do you even pray that? I couldn't. So I started praying God's word. And what I mean by that is I didn't even literally pray it. I started writing scriptures out. Just pages upon pages of writing. And I usually started in Psalms because Psalms is typically... Sometimes you just feel like you got a like a sister there in Psalms because of me. It's like, oh, woe is me. And you're like, yes, woe is me. Woe is me, Lord. This is awful. I am in a pit and I'm never going to get out. And that's a, it's okay because the next somewhere in there, Psalms is going to turn around for you and it's going to encourage you and get there. But I wrote pages and pages. And then the second thing that I did that was a school and it was like you know it's busy you got ch- changing classes and stuff and I literally made a folder on my phone an image because I'm a screenshotter my kids make fun of me because I screenshot everything I don't save it in a collection or something I don't know I screenshot it but I made a folder and it literally says chin up buttercup still have it and I screenshot just those little encouraging things. You know, everybody's posting on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And I, I took pictures of them. And then I would sit, and sometimes I would only... And sometimes in the middle of class, I mean, like something's going bad, the kids, I'll be like, okay... And I would scroll through, and I would see a verse. And I'm like, yep, that's right. It is all going to be okay. It's going to be encouraging. And it was such an encouragement to me um, when I was overwhelmed. The last thing that I did there, too, is I actually bought this little necklace. And it says, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 61, too. Again, Psalms. I'm a big fan. And it actually helped. I don't know. I don't think there's any secret powers in this silly little necklace. You know, just a silly little Amazon or Etsy. I don't remember now. Um, little thing. But having that verse, there were times when in a moment and I could look down and I'd be like, that's right. I got this. I mean, you know, God's got God's got this. Not me. God's got it. It's okay. It was really, it was a great visual. We're all such visual learners sometimes. Um, if you have a desk that you're sitting at, sometimes just posting a scripture, something that can be that, that constant reminder to you can be so helpful. Um, Ephesians 1.18 says I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the wonderful future he has promised to those he called I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he has given to his people um, there is a light at the end of the tunnel there always will be those expectations that I had placed on myself were unrealistic for a first year teacher were unrealistic for a long term sub were unrealistic for, for just me and just in that When I was able to hang in there, through the grace of God, (laughs) I got the job in English. And I have, I I absolutely, truly, 100% love my job. Love every part of it. Love everything about it. I doubted myself. I doubted God's plan for me. And because because of the expectations. And so I think that's really important is to remember, he has a wonderful future promised to those he called. And I want you to realize what a rich and glorious inheritance he's given to all of us. And I'm going to fly through these just a little bit. But um, just if you need those steps, they are on that piece of paper we had last week. Um, When we're talking about expectations, whether it is ours of others, those that we have ourselves or or other people have for us. So we have to communicate. And really, that just means God. First of all, we must pray. And if you can't pray, write some scripture. If you can't write some scripture, listen to some worship music. You know what I mean? 90% 90% of that stuff is straight from Psalms anyway. So I mean just I'm telling y'all, Psalms is the thing here for me. Um, I mean there again I put that Psalms 121. I call on the Lord in my distress and he answers me. Um, the second thing is I just want to encourage you to be we should be honest with ourselves and take a hard look at our expectations of others and of ourselves. Help. Pray that God will help us to to see the ones that are unreal and unfair and and just unattainable. And then sometimes we do have to have those hard conversations. Once you've once you've prayed about it, once we've looked at our own, then sometimes we do. Sometimes people. So I don't want to minimize that at all. That sometimes people are disappointing us and it's it's not okay we talked a little bit just briefly last week too that you know i mean disrespect and being um if you're being harmed or hurt in any way those are not okay they'll never be okay <laughs> so that's not that's not one of those things we're going to say suck it up buttercup i mean it's, it's not okay but sometimes we have to get that um then a lot of times we have to forgive we have to forgive ourselves we have to forgive others we got to move through that you will never be asked to give more grace then God has already given to you if it's a contest he wins every time hands down probably one of my one of my I got all my favorite verses in here today but lamentations 3 22 23 it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not they are new every morning great is thy faithfulness um, I didn't even put a scripture up there because I mean here you go If you want some loved ones, they're all in here. Um, Love covers a multitude of wrongs. And when we can communicate those things and think, see how that we've done and real things and we've forgiven them. I mean, we just need to love. We love people. We love ourselves. We love that God has created us to do the work that he has given us to do. And then expect God to do exactly what he's promised he will do. And this is probably my all time favorite verse. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, whether it is listening to the praise music or writing it out in psalms or just sobbing. <laughs> God, I don't know. It's such a, I made a mess. I need some help. But with thanksgiving, with praise, present your request to God. And then my absolute favorite, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Um, and I'll leave you with just one more thing Deuteronomy 31 8 he will not leave you nor forsake you forever that's the promises we can depend on so our expectations of God are that he will give us peace when we do the things we have to do there he will give us peace and he will never ever leave us so thanks ladies